and welcome to the Four Point Plan Podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Roberts. I'm a drug counselor here in Southern California, and I am excited to explain to you the Four Point Plan, which includes 90 meetings in 90 days. Get a sponsor, get a home group, and get a commitment. Here, joining me as always is my faithful companion, Kevin. What's up? What's up, buddy? We're excited today because this is the fifth episode of the podcast. We have recorded this once before, and Kevin accidentally erased it. So does that make it the sixth episode? No, it's still the fifth episode. (laughs) Because this is the one, man. This is the one where we talk about commitments. It's the commitments episode. People are always asking me, well, uh, what's a commitment? And then I have to tell them. And I'm like... I know it's kind of dickish for me, but when I'm sitting there in a group of people and someone says, oh, what's a commitment? I think, wow, really? You seriously don't know? But then they come up with their own like assumptions about what a commitment is. And everybody knows what an assumption is. When you make an assumption, you make an ass out of you and umption. <laughs> but also when I came in, I had no idea what the fuck a commitment was. See, you're just like these people that annoy me. Like, people will say, well, I don't have any commitments, but I am committed to the program. I am committed to going to meetings. I'm like, that doesn't count. That's not the same thing, man. It counts for something. We're talking about service commitments. We're talking about going to meetings and participating in the meetings. It's like that dude from your area says. He says, don't be a bystander. Don't be a freeloader. Don't be a vagrant. What does he say? Uh, which which guy is that? Carl. Oh, shit. I haven't seen that guy in a long time. But yeah, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> he says you've got to be a participant, man. You've got to participate in your own recovery. Oh, he says don't loiter in our meetings. Don't just come uh, yeah. and get you some recovery and then leave and not pay anything for it. And we're not talking about putting money in the basket. We're talking about participate in recovery participate in the meeting make some coffee set up some chairs throw the trash away do something what's the seventh tradition say kevin uh that we are fully self-supporting declining outside contributions yeah self-support so if a meeting exists they're going to pay their own rent they're going to buy their own literature they're going to buy their own coffee We're not taking donations from outside sources, but people in the meetings are going to contribute in one way or another. And a lot of times the way that they contribute is to make the coffee, set up the chairs, take out the trash. This is what it's about. There are a number of different commitments in meetings. There are a number of different commitments that you can do as a member. There are area-level commitments, and there are regional-level commitments, and at some point, there are even world-level commitments. So we're going to talk about the different ones that we've done, the different ones that we've seen. Um, I can start off by telling you my very first commitment in uh, NA, in Narcotics Anonymous, was that of the cleanup person at Sharing from the Heart. It was We were upstairs. It was a small room. And uh, at the end of the meeting, I would walk around with a small wastebasket and throw away everybody's coffee cups. It was that simple. It didn't take a lot of work. It wasn't exhausting. It was just an opportunity for a new person to give back to the program. That was saving my life. What was your first commitment, Kev? 
my first commitment was a recorder. I that doesn't even make, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so I, uh, my home group, uh, when I first started trying to get clean, uh, was this group called Saturday Night Special in Northern Counties. I think I've talked about it before. That group really means a lot to me. Um, and every other week was a speaker meeting, and we used to record the speakers. So they had all this recording gear, and I was a punk rocker, and you know, punk rock is really DIY. So you know, my band would like record all our own stuff, and we do our own audio. And I, you know, I was familiar with all the uh, with all the tools. I was like, oh, this would be great for me. I'm really good at this. And um, uh, so they let me do that while still high. I'm sure they knew that. I thought they didn't, but I'm sure they did. And uh, I showed up for about two weeks and never did it again. Ah, oh, bummer. Maybe you could have uh, erased some of their episodes. <laughs> hey, tell me, when you were the recorder at that meeting, did you always have the microphone set so low for yourself? Oh, is it hard to hear me? Yes, you're quiet, man. Huh. You're quiet, Kevin. That's what they're going to call you from now on. They're going to be like, hey, I listened to the Four Point Plan podcast. JR was screaming in my ears, and this other guy was mumbling something in the background. We'll see if I... Uh... If I'm louder and I talk over you, then that causes problems with my software audio routing. Oh, I thought maybe you were trapped in a well. Or that. Is this better? <laughs> you are still very quiet. Uh, but am I outside of the well now? Yeah, you're in the hallway, bro. <laughs> like, where's Kevin? He's in the hallway. He's recording from the hallway. <laughs> So you were the recorder. I was the cleanup guy. I moved on to the greeter commitment. The greeter commitment is when you have a meeting level commitment where you arrive to the meeting early, hopefully before everybody else, and you stand at the door and you welcome everyone who comes in. And it was exciting for me to get this commitment because I had to compete for this commitment. My home group was very, very popular. There were a lot of members and when it came time for commitments to be filled, usually more than one person was nominated for the position. And so for the greeter commitment, I had to go through an election where I had to be voted in as the greeter. And I remember when uh, when I won, I was so super excited, like, woo, I'm the winner, yeah, I get to greet people. And it was at Cheering from the Heart, and I would stand outside, I'd get there super early, I'd stand outside and welcome everybody. And... Uh, I didn't. I think it, there's a male greeter and a female greeter. Um, it wasn't a newcomer greeter commitment, which is something completely different. It was just the greeter commitment, but we had a greeter for the men and a greeter for the women, which you kind of got to appreciate because you don't want to come off as creepy uh, welcoming girls to an NA meeting, going up and giving strange girl a hug. That might be enough to make a girl not want to come back. Be like, I'm not going to that meeting. That crazy ass JR is out front trying to hug me. And that's not my style anyway. So it's good that we had a male greeter and a female greeter. And uh, when girls did come up to get a hug from me, I did that slick, Mr. I'm not creepy, sideways, partial hug with the pat. You know, With the men, I go up and give them a big old bear hug. I'm a fat guy anyway, so I just throw my arms around and squeeze them tight and warm. And, you know, I'm cool with making men uncomfortable. But with the women, I give them the little slick side hug where... I lean in with my, my shoulder front ways. So it's almost my shoulder in the middle of their chest. And then I reach way around with my other arm and pat them a little bit <clears> on <throat> the shoulder and say, welcome. You know, I would literally run away from women. Right? 
sorry, man. I'm trying to get off drugs. Y'all are scary. Y'all just gonna make me want to do more drugs. And I mean, hey, you know what the what the gun club says? She's like heroin to me. I I think, uh, and actually to this day, I don't have a ton of uh, of female friends. And the the female friends I do have in recovery are people that I've been of service with. You know, for uh, for the most part, there's um. There, there's a couple of women that I become like really good friends with, uh, but but initially, man, I just didn't want to get high anymore. And you guys all told me if I didn't want to get high anymore, then I'd stay away from the women. Yeah, that's right. And I tell people that now. Well, okay, so what we say, the slogan we say is, "Men stick with the men, women stick with the women." And people like to argue about this. They're like, "Well, but what if I need a ride to the meeting?" You know, that guy that's willing to give you a ride to the meeting. There's probably just as many girls that are willing to give you a ride to the meeting and they might even be more willing to do so knowing that they're keeping you out of that guy's car because <laughs> that guy drives all the girls <laughs> but what if he's gay what if he's gay get a ride with a woman damn it my uh, so my first sponsor was gay and um and the one i think i talked about this in the sponsorship episode the one where i got out of treatment and it didn't call me back or he changed his number and his sponsor was a woman, and that always weirded me out. Yeah, because it's stupid and it's unnecessary. If you live in Montana and you're gay and all the men that are available to sponsor make you uncomfortable or you feel like you want to sleep with them or they just won't understand, I understand the possibility of you needing to ask a woman to sponsor you. However, we live in Los Angeles, and if you are gay and you need a sponsor, just get another gay person to be your sponsor. If you have sex with inflatable farm animals in Los Angeles, <laughs> there is definitely a guy I know that can sponsor you because he also likes having sex with inflatable farm animals. Well, well let's I, talk some more about our commitments. Okay, uh, but sponsorship is a commitment, by the way. If someone asks you to sponsor them and you're gonna and you say yes, you better be willing to show up for that person, you know. If you're going to have a commitment to make coffee, you better be willing to show up and make that coffee because there ain't nothing worse than going to a meeting and finding out there ain't no coffee. Or find out there ain't no coffee because the jackass that had the coffee commitment didn't show up. That was me. <laughs> and there ain't nobody to record you because Kevin didn't <laughs> show up because he was still getting high. Oh, man, that would fuck with a lot of people's ego. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... When I had nine months clean, I got my first GSR commitment. The GSR commitment is a area-level commitment. Of course, you're the GSR for your group, so it's also a group commitment. But you have to represent your group at area. And I like to call the group service representative the good stuff reporter because at each meeting, the GSR will tell you what they discussed at area and communicate between the group and the area uh, what they can do for each other uh, to help be of service. So the Good Stuff Reporter was always there on my GSR commitments to uh, let people know all the exciting and fun things you could do. At my uh, home group, I became the GSR after I had a couple years clean, and I liked to really visually stimulate my audience. Oftentimes, you'll go to a meeting and the GSR will say, okay, I have a GSR report, and they'll stare at their phone and they'll be like, 
Okay, this week we had area, and this is what we talked about, and we're going to have a chili cook-off, blah, blah, blah. And I hate them, and they drive me nuts because they're boring and monotonous. My good stuff report, I'd run to the front of the room, I would scream at everybody, hey, we got opportunities to be a service, y'all need to be a service. If you have six months clean, you need to be speaking on panels. See the H&I people. And one time I ran up to the front of the meeting at my home group, and I said, if you're not sure how to be of service, let me illustrate it for you. And I ran through the room and out the side door and on the wall were windows and everyone in the meeting could look out the windows and see me outside. And I ran out and I grabbed a cigarette button. I picked it up and I ran over. I threw it in a trash can and I came back in. And I said, see, people, that's how you do it. That's how you can be of service. And so getting a service commitment, it's just promising that you will be of service. I know uh, when it comes to talking about area commitments, Kevin is an expert. He uh, he hides out in service. He does lots of service. What do they say about uh, commitments? Uh, they keep you clean. Commitments will keep you clean. So, Kevin, tell us about area service and your GSR commitments. Well, I'm not real good at it right now is the problem. Um, I, uh, so, yeah, I haven't really been showing up. So I'm the vice treasurer currently at an area out here. And at first, I was just giving our current treasurer some time to learn from the previous treasurer um, and just staying out of her way. And then the past couple of months, I just have not wanted to go. And also, the last one was on the Super Bowl, so I'm just obviously not going to go to that. Um, I don't know why anyone thinks anyone actually would. But anyway, um, uh, let's see, GSR. So I believe that people have a huge misconception about what the GSR is and what the GSR does. The GSR does, you know, report stuff from the area, but the primary function of a good stuff reporter, as you like to say, or the group service representative, is to carry the group conscience to the area. What the hell does that mean? That means so our service structure is like an upside down pyramid, um, where the all the members, you know, all the however many freaking members there, are, I don't know, there's a lot are at the top of the pyramid. The The members of NA, and yeah, I'm speaking to NA here. I don't know how any other fellowship service structure works. Um, but the members of NA uh, make all the decisions for, for the entire fellowship. And then it goes, you know, the, the, uh, the members, the group, the area, the region, uh, and then the world board. And there's also zonal forums, but I don't think in the U.S. they really mean or do anything. Fantastic. Well, I know that I've had uh, area-level commitments like GSR. I've also been the H&I vice chair, the H&I chair, the area vice chair, the area chair. Oh, man, it was awful. One time during my uh, area vice chair run, the, the area chair did some scandalous shit. Like, he jacked a meeting for their uh, treasury. And then he came to area and told all of us, we're all, all the group representatives were all gathered together, all the all the vice chairs, everybody is there in this room, and this guy tells us all, oh, by the way, I need to tell you that I robbed the the meeting, the newcomer meeting, and I took all the money, and I'm going to try to pay it back. And I needed to tell you guys because my sponsor told me to tell you, and what do you want to do about it? And as the vice chair, I was like, oh, hey, bro, do me a favor. Go outside. We're going to talk about this and take a vote. And then everybody voted to impeach him. So in case you're wondering if impeachment works, it works <laughs> in the program. And so I actually had to go outside and tell him, dude, you, uh, you're you not the chair anymore. They, they, 
voted to have me take over. And, uh, yeah, that was, um, that was wild. It was awful. Uh, except it, it was cool, uh, that I got to, uh, to jump into that position. I was available to jump into that position and, uh, and things didn't really change. He was actually, uh, as far as getting area service done, he was really good. And, uh, and I learned from him, uh, him and the people that were there before him that did that position. Uh, and I got to be area chair for like a year and a half. So that was a blast. I've also had a regional commitment where I went out to the regional service office in Monrovia, California, uh, once a month. And I worked with the sponsorship behind the walls program, which is another service commitment where people write letters to inmates and sponsor them uh, because the inmates are not available to, they don't have sponsors available to them in prison. So I was a clerk in that position. I didn't sponsor people in prison. What I did was I helped mail letters out and receive letters and make copies uh, for the sponsors. And uh, it was cool to be of service at Region because they told me commitments keep you clean, man. And I was willing to do every commitment I could because I want it, I want. I want to stay clean and sober, man. This is what it's all about for me. You know, regional service and area service really gets a bad rap, but, uh, you know, a lot of it is there to protect, you know, protect the members. I remember this one time, you know, you, you were talking about the uh, the chair uh, taking money from a newcomer group. I, I remember this one time I was, R, I was an RCM and I was at a regional meeting and we have a, a regional phone line. And one of the guys that was answering the phone line, the phone, uh, was preying on women. Uh, I, I don't think he ever actually like attacked anybody or anything like that, but he was definitely making them feel uncomfortable. And you know, and then that <clears throat> that got brought to our attention. And you know, we were able to de- uh, to deal with it and ensure that all the newcomers that are calling in and and trying to get help are being treated equally and with respect and and not being creeped out by some weird old dude. Holy shit! Hi, I'm trying to find a meeting so that I could stop doing drugs. Oh yeah, baby. What are you wearing? <laughs> we might have to cut this out. I don't, I don't... <laughs> no, we got that out. We got your, we got cut that guy out. He needs to cut it out. What the fuck is wrong with that guy? Holy crap! It's 2020. I don't, I don't know if we can say that, Jr. <laughs> What's 2020? I think we could say it. The year. The year oh, is yeah, clean. We can say what we want. <laughs> we can say what we want. Didn't say anything. Uh, bashing anyone uh, culturally or anything like that. I'm just saying that the creepy guy answering the phone said, hey, baby, what are you wearing? Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fucking fuck that guy. That person's trying to get clean, and he's trying to score. Go on fucking Tinder and be like, and swipe left, and then go stick your tongue up some stranger's ass. Jesus Christ. Don't be praying on women. There are a lot of people getting high on Tinder. <laughs> I am so fucking glad I don't know that. Jesus, mother crap. Wow. Uh, okay, so there was some weird shit happening in the area. There was some weird shit happening in the region. But what you see by and large when you go to area, when you go to region, when you go to a regular meeting and you see people being a service, you see people with clean time. You see people with lengths of sobriety because they have learned what we are teaching you here today. Commitments keep you clean. And when you're getting a commitment, I'm just going to throw this out there. Don't just get one, man. Get two, get three, get four. If you're new, man, get as many commitments as you can. Because if you're 
if you have a commitment, that means you've got to go to the meeting. If you're going to a lot of meetings, then that's a lot of time that you are staying clean and not out there getting high. And when you're new, the chances of going out are pretty high, man. And you want to teach yourself how to not get high anymore. You teach yourself how to not get high anymore by going to meetings and being a service and giving back and helping people. This whole thing is about helping people. I, I told this story before. I'll say it again, man. I got a friend who was our liaison to Iran, uh, which is just amazing in itself. The Narcotics Anonymous has a program in Iran, considering if a group of drug addicts get together in Iran, death squads are liable to hunt them down and hang them in the town square. So the fact that Iran has NA at all is amazing. But did you know that NA in Iran has conventions? Well, we know for sure that NA in California has conventions. There was one here not long ago, which I sure the hell did not go to. But at the end of the convention, there is a room full of people, and everybody gets together, and they all chant, keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. But in Iran, they chant something in Iranian. Uh, unfortunately, I don't speak Iranian, so I can't say it in the native tongue, but I can tell you what it translates to. They chant, go help somebody, go help somebody. One of the coolest things I've ever heard about Narcotics Anonymous anywhere. So the idea is, man, we got to help people. All The only way we can keep what we have is by giving it away. That means the only way we can stay sober is if we help someone else stay sober. And that's what we're about, man. We want to help. Kevin and I do this podcast. Why? To help people. How much do we get paid? Fucking nothing. We're not doing this for money, man. We're doing this for, what do you call them, spiritual bucks. I'm not making <laughs> spiritual bucks right now. God sees us sitting here in front of our computers on a Sunday morning yelling at you guys through the podcast, and he says, all right, man, they care. They're giving back. I'm going to let them stay clean one more day. So you say commitments keep you clean. Is there any evidence to back that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you wanna you wanna talk about that a little bit? Uh, no. No. Okay then. So, Jr. and I were talking before this podcast, and we we're talking about the uh, you know the success rate of of the twelve step fellowships, and you know my own experience has shown that you know maybe ten percent of uh of addicts actually stay clean and you know when i was in treatment i sat in a room of 20 people and they said maybe two of you will stay clean and and that's a really good success rate man like i know it sounds like shit but no nothing else in in the world has that kind of success nothing else has 10 to 15 percent success rate to keep people off of drugs and you know and the things that we're telling you to do here have been uh We've tried them, right? We're not just making shit up. We're not we're not just pulling things out of our ass. Like we've tried these things and they've worked and they've worked for us and we've seen them work for others and they work for anyone who wants it. Well, you know, I've never been a big fan of it works it doesn't work for those who need it, it works for those who want it. Because I wanted it for many years, man, and I couldn't get it. I could not stop using drugs for a long, long time. My belief is this. It's not for people who need it. It's not for people who want it, unfortunately, but it's for the people who do it. If you do the four-point plan, you're going to stay clean. I tell my groups in my treatment center, I say, okay, 
I want you to look at the person to your left. Okay, now I want you to look to the person at your right. All right, now look back at the person at your left. They're already getting hot. <laughs> uh, the numbers aren't good, man. Treatments, treatment, recovery is recovery. Uh, we're talking about recovery. This is uh, a recovery plan. It's not a treatment plan. The four-point plan is the plan that we found going to meetings where we got clean. Kevin uh, did go to treatment, and God bless him. Uh, I went to treatment multiple times. I went to detox seven times. Every time I left, man, I fully believed that I was going to stay clean, but that's because I didn't understand that I had disease that had rewired my brain, and it was going to have to take constant reprogramming for that uh, to change. And so I would leave treatment with the best intentions. I'm not going to use, I'm not going to use. And a half hour later, I would have a needle on my arm, and I'd be saying, what happened? <laughs> I had the best intentions, but what happened? Well, what I didn't know was I wasn't in control anymore. The prefrontal cortex was no longer executive functioning. I was not making decisions with thought. I was making decisions with a lizard brain, the same brain that tells me to eat and drink and go to the bathroom. That was the same decision-making that went into me using drugs. I didn't even think about it. I just did it. So in order to rewire your brain and not act on the instinct and go get high, what worked for me was the four-point plan. I had to go to meetings. I had to get a sponsor. I had to get commitments. I had to get a home group. I had to make some friends, man, that I could call on when my broken decision maker would go into action. I would call them and say, hey, I made a decision. They would say, oh, fuck. <laughs> and that, and 90 that, days clean, I decided to move in with my drug dealer. Did I ever tell you that, Kev? 90 days clean, I moved in with my drug dealer. The next morning, I went to my home group. And I told them, <laughs> immediately following the meeting, my sponsee brother and my sponsor came up to me and said, you are not going back to your fucking drug dealer's house, you idiot. <laughs> and they took me, and my sponsee brother put me on his couch for a couple nights, and we found me an apartment to move into. And, uh, yeah, because I had a broken thinker, man. I didn't realize how to, how to think right, make good decisions. It took a good, solid year for me to make even halfway decent decisions. And even at that point, they weren't that good. It took, fuck, man, I would say about four years before I started making halfway decent decisions more than half the time. And that's exactly it, man. Like, that that's it. You got to do it. And my experience is that, you know, I, 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 I did want it for a while without having the ability to do it, but I definitely wasn't going to do it if I didn't want it. I think, you know, wanting to recover is a prerequisite to doing the work to recover, although you can want to recover and still not do the work. Well, this is kind of a, a CBT argument. It's kind of funny um, how thoughts and feelings and actions all work together to create reality. Um, fortunately, the people that taught me in the program, they taught me that what I thought and what I felt didn't matter that the only thing that matters is what I do. And I was taught by another friend of mine, do the next right thing. And I'm not good at doing the next right thing, but when I do the next right thing, good things happen. So what other commitments have you had? God, been the coffee guy, the most important commitment in the world. Um, 
I've never been the cake guy, but I do want to talk about the cake commitment because I love it. Uh, you can find a good meeting, a good home group based upon the quality of the cake commitment. <laughs> I know a guy named John that uh, is the cake guy at this newcomer meeting. And when he goes to the store to buy a cake, he doesn't pick out the cheapest cake just so we can have a cake there to celebrate birthdays. Nah, he goes to the bakery and he finds the nicest looking cake that they have. And he picks that one out and brings it back. And so the whole time you're sitting at the meeting, you're like, man, when are they going to do these birthdays? I got to get a piece of that good looking cake. And he knows that you're going to get hungry looking at that cake. So he also buys a box of cookies that you can eat to tide yourself over for the cake. <laughs> We're drug addicts, man. We did cake. We put down the spoon. We pick up the fork. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, whenever I have to go buy a cake, I, I always donate the cakes because I spend so much freaking money on them. I'll spend like 30 bucks on a cake to take to a meeting. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Dude, the best one is uh, Tabanga Tranquil. There's a really a classic meeting here in Los Angeles. It's it's right between uh, the San Fernando Valley and Malibu. Uh, and you drive over a hill, and there's a community center up there. And they have a table where they take donations every week for the cake so you'll walk by that table you'll see cake mixes and frosting sometimes you'll see eggs but the best thing is sometimes you'll just see random shit there'll be a bag of m&ms or a bunch of Reese cups come back next week you got chocolate lemon orange cherry flavored Reese cupcake fucking shit's delicious man i love that that cake commitment up there that sounds okay you know i'm not gonna lie i, I dig that but I don't think it's the best. I think the best is Saturday morning. Okay, so the same girl that has been the cake person there, almost my entire recovery, bakes a cake every Friday night for the Saturday morning meeting. And the coffee cake she makes is dynamite. She will ask, you know, if you're if you're taking a cake, you, you go up to her and you say, hey, I want to take a cake next week. She will ask you, what's your favorite kind of cake? And she will bake that for you yeah i don't understand people that argue against 12-step fellowships when you have people like the cake lady at the saturday morning meeting she <laughs> loves recovery so much that she's going to take requests for what kind of delicious cake we're going to celebrate your birthday with and that's just it man we, we talked about connection before right like the 12-step fellowships give you that that avenue to make connections with other with other like-minded people and when i say like-minded i mean all crazy and fucked up yeah drug addicts <laughs> hey congratulations we're going to introduce you to other drug addicts but the drug addicts that we associate with in the program are people who are actively changing their lives they're actively working a four-point plan they're actively working with sponsors or working steps, or being of service, taking commitments. Yeah, if it weren't for NA, like, who would I connect with? Who would I hang out with? I don't want to go fucking drink. I can't do that. My, my brain is not wired to allow me to, to have a drink. Um, and, you know, that's what, I don't know, what, 80, 90% of the population does? Who, who else am I going to hang out with? Dude, if it's not for the program, me and you are both loaded. Here's the truth about people like us. We go hang out with people uh, that we think that we can relate to, that dress like us, or listen to the music that we listen to, and they're all punk rockers, man, and they're drinking and they're doing drugs. And we might 
you know, lasts for a little while, a couple days, a couple weeks even. But eventually we're just going to get loaded again so we can fit in and we can relate to the people that we're around. Or even worse, we realize, hey, we can't hang out with punk rockers. They're all drinking and on drugs. And instead we just isolate. And there is no worse company in the world for me than just me or me without a program. Holy shit. I would fucking hate me without a program. Uh, I would just sit around all the time uh, thinking about all the things that are wrong with me and what a terrible person I've always been. And It's not even true, but I have a disease in my brain that wants me to get high. More than anything in the world, the disease of addiction wants me to get high, and it will lie to me and tell me things that will make me want to get high. So what I cannot do is spend all my time alone listening to that disease voice in my head because it sounds like me, and it tricks me, it's been going to college with me, and it's got all kinds of language and stuff to confuse me, and I can't listen to it, man. I can't, I can't just be alone with my thoughts. I can meditate, and that's cool, man, but I definitely need to check in with my sponsor on a regular basis. I need to talk to Kevin on a regular basis. I need to talk to my friends in recovery, and maybe most of all, I need to help other people. I mentioned it before. Sponsorship is a commitment, and if you're sponsoring people, man, you got to talk to your sponsees. It's not so much because you can help them as much as it is that they can help you. You know, I, I, I talked about working out a lot because that, that's a big part of my life and it's something that I really enjoy. And, you know, part of a big part of that is diet. And as a part of my diet, I, I supplement some things, you know, some things that have been researched like, you know, whey and casein proteins and, and creatine. And creatine is one of those things that has a lot of research backing it. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of studies out there that show the effectiveness of creatine in building muscle. However, there is some research that suggests that there there's a group of people out there that creatine cannot benefit. That will just not. It does, I don't know if their muscles don't absorb it or what. Uh, but there are creatine resistant people out there. At least it's it's theorized that there are creatine resistant people out there that it just doesn't work for. And all it's going to do is raise your, I think, the HCL levels or something like that and, and cause you to go bald. I take That's the fucking creatine anyway. <laughs> is that what made me go bald? I'm losing my hair like crazy. Is it all the creatine? Possibly. Well, I don't take creatine. My point is, you know, there's, there's, there's studies saying that, you know, maybe creatine doesn't help some people, but the vast majority of people it does. So I take it anyway. And it's the same thing with recovery, right? Like there's some studies showing that maybe people are resistant to recovery and recovery just doesn't help some people. Why not try it anyway? It might save your life. Wait, what people don't wait. Hold on. Wait a minute. So there's some people that recovery doesn't help. There's Who some, the fuck are those people. I don't know, but there are some studies that suggest that. That's fucking crazy. Hey, you know, recovery might not help you. Uh, maybe it would be better if you keep shooting heroin. Exactly. No, fuck that. <laughs> Here, try oh, this other drug. Study for fucking everything. Hey, I got bad news for you, buddy. You're gonna go bald. You keep taking that creatine. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to draw a parallel to something else in life here. I wonder if heroin made me go bald. I have no idea. I think uh, before that, it was thought to be your mother's father. You can blame him. No, I bet it was the heroin before heroin. I had beautiful, long, <laughs> flowing, golden locks of hair. And now I look like fucking uh, Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force.
Fucking heroin and creatine ruining my life. Man, I miss that show. You don't have to, baby. It's on adultswim.com. You can watch that shit 24-7. Oh, that was such a good show. Hey, and if one in ten people will get their dick ripped off. <laughs> Man, we should just keep quoting statistics. I, I think this would make for a good podcast. I think we should just... Uh, <laughs> we can keep quoting uh, cartoons because um, I watched uh, Butters go to, goes to Raisins on South Park the other day, and uh, God damn, that is the greatest South Park episode of all time. <laughs> Butters just falls in love with the girl at Hooters every time he walks in. Every little girl there is named after a car. Do you want to sit in Lexus's station, or maybe we'll put you over there with Mercedes or Porsche? And the girls come up, they're like, "Hi, honey." Hi, sweetie. But he's like, Mom and Dad, I got a girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know. There, <clears throat> there are so many good South Park episodes. That's the best one, dude. That's the one that introduces you to the goth kids. It's like, oh, you're such a conformist. Oh, your four-point plan is a conformist. Why don't you just go four-point plan with your conformist? I'm not going to go 90 minutes, 90 days, you conformist. You know, we're we're laughing about this, but I really struggled with that in the beginning. I, I really did. Oh, you're so punk rock. You don't want to join a group. Yeah. I, I couldn't think like you or act like you or talk like you. And then I, I read the tr- uh, traditions up on the wall in a treatment center. I'm like, oh, maybe I can get into this. That kind of sounds like anarchy. No, it's the opposite. <laughs> it's fucking brainwashing. NNA, they're a cult, baby. But here's the problem with the brainwashing cult of ANNA. When we get here, we are dirty people. We are dirty little alcoholic drug addicts, and we need to be brainwashed. Some people get turned off by the idea. I get fucking turned on by the idea. My best thinking had me doing the most heinous shit. I didn't pay rent. I didn't take showers. I didn't do anything that normal human beings are supposed to fucking do. And then I came to NA, and they said, hey, motherfucker. Go take a shower. Hey, go get a job and pay some rent. And I did all that shit because I didn't want to die. And it turns out I like fucking paying rent and I like taking showers. Fuck, I'll take a shower right now. I take like four showers a day. Showers are the bomb. I think uh, somebody's going to want to fight you for calling NANAA a cult. Cool. Let's fight. <laughs> I'm down. I don't know if you people know who you're fucking with, but the hell kid, uh, me, JR, I am the nine-time heavyweight champion of the world and uh, small minor league independent professional wrestling here in Southern California and across the United States and I kick ass so if you want to fight me about calling A-A-N-N-A call I'm down brother let's throw down let's get it all <laughs> man it sounds like you're back in the ring again didn't, didn't you retire yeah I'm fucking retired but <laughs> hey if someone wants to bring me out in a I can't believe you called AA a call challenge grudge match I'm fucking down. So, I, I mean, I you know, I feel the same way, and I've said that in meetings, and I've been called out on it in meetings. Like, not, I didn't even finish my share when people started screaming at me um, for, for saying things like that. And, you know, if you look at the definition or definitions of a cult, uh, NANAA don't exactly line up with that. But it's, it's uh, I don't know how else to describe it, right? Like, it, it's a group with kind of a strange belief that doesn't really line up with anything else that we've ever known or, or believed. Who yelled at you? Was it the girl from the meme? Was it the girl that was yelling <laughs> at the cat? Is that girl yelling at you now? I was the cat. <laughs> I love it. 
should we should we post the meme for people that don't know what we're talking about can, can we do that is that a copyright thing I don't think that memes are copyrighted. I think we can meme all the fuck we want. <laughs> so if you guys are not aware, the Four Point Plan is on the World Wide Web. It is at fourpointplan.com. Spell the word four, F-O-U-R, pointplan.com. And we are on Facebook. But, oh no, on Facebook, we're also the Four Point Plan. And we have a Gmail account. If you want to email us, you email fourpointplan at gmail.com, but this time you use the number four for fourpointplan at gmail.com. Uh, we would love it if we got some emails that we could uh, we can answer questions, we can interact with the fans. We're into it, man. We love doing this podcast. We love sharing with you the life-saving message of the four-point plan. Not everybody's going to agree with us. Hell. I might say something completely different next week, and then maybe they will agree with me. I don't know. It doesn't matter, man. All I know is I could not stop using drugs. I found the program. They told me to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. They told me to get sponsored. They told me to get home group, and they told me to get commitments. And I did those things, and now I've got 11 years clean, and I'm living a life beyond my wildest dreams. That ain't just some shit we say. It is real, brother. Right now, here's the biggest thing I got going on in my life. I'm trying to figure out what my next vacation to Hawaii is going to look like. Is it because I'm rich? No, I ain't got a lot of money. I'll tell you what I do got a lot of, though. I got a lot of recovery. The four-point plan made me rich in recovery. And in being rich in recovery, I've been able to live a life beyond anything I ever dreamed that I could. Life is livable. When you're using drugs, you think, oh, man, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't stop using drugs. I can't put my name on a lease. I can't get a bank account. I can't afford this. I can't afford that. You don't know what you can do, man. You got a disease in your brain that tells you all you can do is keep doing drugs. If you stop doing drugs, there is nothing that you can't do. And let me reiterate this point. It doesn't matter if you smoke too much weed or you drink too much or if you're shot out on speedballs, man. If you can get clean and sober, you have accomplished the most difficult thing anyone's ever accomplished in their life. And after that, everything is easy. But JR, you can stop anytime you want to. Ah, yeah, I started putting brake fluid in my meth. I can stop anytime I want to. <laughs> Did you really? No, oh. I don't fucking smoke meth. I don't, I don't do anything except uh, yell at people on a podcast. I watch a lot of cartoons. Uh, I, uh, I counsel people in drug treatment and, uh, I go to school, uh, to learn, uh, about psychology and therapy and all the different ways that I can to continue on helping people get clean and get a better life. Well, that sounds pretty cool. I feel like we've strayed away from commitments here a little bit, but I'm okay with that because I think it, our opinions here made for a pretty interesting podcast. Should we get back on commitments? Well, I think that we've actually stayed on point because commitments are about helping people, giving back to the program and helping people. And I'm committed to helping people, man. I'm willing to do what it takes. If someone asks me to speak on a panel, I'm going to go speak on a panel. If someone asks me to lead a meeting, I'm going to lead a meeting. I even recently spoke at a morning meeting. Uh, it was affiliated with the Sunset Group, which is also affiliated with the Pacific Group. If you're not sure what those are, those are cults inside the cult. The little subcults, little affiliated cults in the cult. 
and I spoke there, and they made me wear a suit. I went out and bought a suit just so I could speak at a meeting. And, uh, and we're going to upload that uh, in the next week or two onto the website. Uh, we'll put links on the Facebook page. Uh, yeah, to, this, is, uh, this is what we do, man. We give back. We, we do what they ask. And I just want to uh, be careful here. The Pacific Group is not affiliated with AA, correct? Fuck, I don't know, man. If you look up Pacific Group AA on Google, you will find some shit that says, yeah, they're an AA meeting. And they're a wildly successful AA meeting with a lot of people in it. And fuck, dude, we should do a whole episode all about the Pacific Group. But if we do, we have got to go to their big meeting. They got one big meeting a week in Wednesday and Pacific Palisades draws 800 people. They have to rent another parking lot and they have commitments of people who go and stand in the parking lot two hours before the meeting starts and help people get parking places. And you have to pay to park. Hold what, what, No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Get the fuck out. I'm dead serious. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Come on, let's do it. Fuck Wednesday. No. Let's do it this Wednesday. Let's go down there Wednesday. No way, man. You're a fucking member when you say you are, not when you got enough money for parking. <laughs> oh, I can't go this Wednesday anyways. I have my commitment. I am currently... The alternate literature person where I have to be there three weeks out of the month to make sure the literature is available at my home group, the men's group on Wednesdays. What's your uh, current commitment, Kev? Uh, secretary at the men's group on Tuesdays. Badass. What time does that mean, sir? Seven o'clock. In fact, I think you're leading it in April. All right, cool. Right now, on Tuesday nights, I have child psychology. Are you learning how to keep kids off of drugs? No, dude. Uh, this week, I have to learn about fucking play therapy. I don't play with no kids. <laughs> I'd rather watch kids fall off bikes. I could watch kids fall off bikes all day. <laughs> Just for those of you that don't watch Letterkenny, that was a reference from Letterkenny. And also, so my, gr my girlfriend has to do that crap all the time, and she loves it. Fuck that, man. I wasn't built for that. What I need is a diehard, dirty, smelly junkie off the streets. Put them in my office, and I will teach them how to find a new life, man. You are pretty good at that. You taught me. Hey. Yeah, but you still got the beard, man. You know, if you went to uh, if you went to Pacific Group, they'd make you shave. Well, then they can go fuck themselves. Ah, let's go to the meeting, man. I can't wait. What is Wednesday nights? <laughs> Dude, We're I'm going to fight somebody. I am going to fight somebody if we end up there. We're going to go. I'm going to wear a baseball hat. You're going to have a beard. And they're going to they're gonna throw down with us. It'll be two on 800. We'll fight them all. Bring it up, Pacific group. We ain't scared. <laughs> like, don't tell me how to live my fucking life, man. Just accept me for me. You know, like Wait, we do in NA. We're doing right here. The four-point plan. Aren't we telling people how to live their life? No, we're making suggestions. Do whatever oh. you want. So this is just a suggestion program, and the suggestion is go to 90 meetings in 90 days. Get a sponsor, get a home group, and get a commitment. Hey, I think that's going to be about all for us this week. Kevin, what do you think, man? Did you have a good time? Yeah, I had a pretty good time. Well, I can't wait to do it again. Do me a favor. Record this episode so we don't have to do it a third fucking time. And everybody else, keep checking back to the website, fourpointplan.com, or wherever you listen to our podcasts. And keep tuning in, man, because next week we're going to have another awesome episode.